Sure sounded like we got breaking news earlier. Peter King on with us saying that Cliff Kingsbury has talked to the Bears and he's going to talk to the Steelers. Interesting places, King said. I just want to make sure that that's what he meant. So I think we're going to text him and make sure that that was he was sort of talking about that as fact. Yeah, and it's just the way matter matter of factly delivered it. Yeah, I think that's why it went over both of our heads at first a little bit. Uh, but but it's up and running everywhere now. We're going to get back to the Cliff Kingsbury conversation. But, man, I meant what I said about Aroldis Chapman. Uh, you look at the comments under the story that I was reading, and people legitimately excited about this. Should they be? Let's ask our next guest, Ron, and that is the legendary, the John iconic. Fighting Parado, the senior writer of the Pittsburgh Pirates media corps. Exactly. Uh, that, you know what that means? He's old, right, John? Right? Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. Just, you hit just, a big milestone last week. I was yeah. going to say you hit a big birthday, right? Mm-hmm. What was it? I'd have no comment. No. <laughs> <laughs> Six zero. Who would have guessed I'd live to 60? Who would have guessed it? Congratulations and happy birthday. And was Aroldis Chapman a good signing for the Pirates? Were you surprised by it, Johnny? I was surprised. I mean, usually, you know, there's always little hints, little things kind of seep out that that give you a heads up that something like this might happen. But Ben Charrington and his, uh, you know, his circle of confidants with the Pirates really, really kept this under wraps. There was no inkling this was going to happen. I must admit, I was quite surprised uh, when I when the news broke last night and. I, I like it. I do. I mean, the guy can still pitch. He may not be the pre, you know, preeminent closer in baseball like he was a few years ago, but he's still a very good pitcher. He had a good year with the Royals and the Rangers, helped the Rangers win a World Series. And, uh, you know, presumably you pair him and Bednar at the uh, back of the uh, bullpen, and it looks like uh, they have a really formidable uh, bullpen for 2024. John, I love it, too, for that very reason. You can win a lot of games with the bullpen. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, I look, are they going to be able to get a pitcher that gets them a lead into the seventh inning? And are they going to have hitters that can get them a lead into the seventh inning? I think it's a great signing, but, man, they got a lot of work yet to do for me. Yeah, I think they absolutely have to get one more bat in the lineup, and I think they need a right fielder, especially if they are actually going to follow through and play Henry Davis uh, behind the plate as the catcher this year. And, uh, you know, I I understand if they're trying to build up, you know, like a a nuclear bullpen, a lockdown bullpen to where your starters can go five and then you turn it over to those two guys and Colin Holderman and and Dowry Moretta and – Ryan Baraki and, and Carmen Mazetsky, I mean, that's a pretty good deal. But like you said, you've got to get them a lead. They need more offense. And I still would feel a lot better about this team if they had one more starting pitcher that you can count on. I mean, eventually you, you, you hope that Paul Skeens and a couple of the other pitching prospects are ready at some part, at some point, I should say, during the season. But you know, for, at the beginning of the season right now, that rotation just scares me. I don't care how good the bullpen is. If you don't get them leads, it, it's not going to matter. Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Social media's biggest loser, Malsey, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. So, John, uh, is Hank Davis actually going to play catcher, and can he play catcher? 
Well, they say he's going to, but they said he was going to last year, too, and he only caught two innings. So, I, I guess I have to take him at their word, but uh, I don't know. This is going to be interesting. I mean, clearly they felt that he would be overmatched in the big leagues as a catcher last year, and what changes between then and, and this year we'll see when they get the spring training. But uh, that's the plan, but I am skeptical that it's ever going to happen because I just I think they deep down the way they handled him last year tells me that they don't think he's a big league catcher. Who's going to play first base? Well, probably Rowdy Telez has up right now because, you know, you probably need a lot of DH at-bats from McCutcheon because right. I, I don't think Kutch is going to play a whole lot of outfield anymore. So I would say Rowdy Telez, unless somebody would fall into their lap here maybe late uh, late in the offseason, right before spring training starts in three weeks. But – for now, that uh, that seems to be the the most logical guy. And now they get O'Neill Cruz back. Uh, you know, I think that they're counting on that being a huge addition. Uh, everything you're hearing on him, he's good to go. He says he's good to go. The Pirates say he is. He, he his last hurdle is you know he had he did some sliding work in the, the Dominican where he's from down at the Pirates Academy there in the Dominican Republic. He said that was his last mental hurdle to to get over was to slide and make sure he was okay. And he said the times that he slid in, in scrimmages and like simulated games that, that he felt fine. And he, uh, he was very, very optimistic when he was in town here earlier in the month for Pirate Fest. He, he says he's a hundred percent. Lastly, Johnny, what do you see as the rotation this year right now? Let's, let's well, say one, one schemes gets here and is in it. Let's assume he's in it. I would say to start the year, I would say, well, obviously Mitch Keller and then the two lefties, they've picked up Marco Gonzalez and Martin Perez. After that, it's anyone's guess. I'm going to say, I think Luis Ortiz, he seemed to have a pretty good finish the last season. And I think right now, if I were going to throw a dart at the number five spot and the schemes gets here, I think I'd go with Bailey Falter, the left-hander they got from the Phillies last year. Not that he's a great pitcher, but certainly – he'd be okay in that number five role to, to be a placeholder until Skeens gets here. Johnny, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Talk when, to you soon, fighting. Oh, my, when are you going to spring training? Good. I believe on the 14th, which will make my wife real happy to leave on Valentine's Day. Perfect. Yeah, but you're a romantic, and she gets it all. Uh, you're a romantic. She benefits yeah. from your yeah. romanticism all year long. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. There yes, you go. Sure. <laughs> okay, guys. See you fighting. See you, man. Good man. He's been covering that team for a long time. I think we've determined he's like the losingest beat writer in Major League history. He's right there. There should be some kind of award. I have a clarification here. This is important on Peter King. So earlier today he was on, and this has understandably been picked up, and he said, let me get the exact quote here, Ron. He said that Cliff Kingsbury, I basically asked him, you know, how intrigued would you be with this guy as a candidate? And he said right now he's he went into saying he'd be very intrigued with this guy. He said right now he's talked to the Bears and he's going to talk to the Steelers. Interesting places, King said. Just the feel and the context of it, and I, I should have followed up because it was my question and said, do you mean that he's actually going to interview? That's hard news. 
Instead, we followed up later here. Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Uh, asked Peter King, are you reporting that? He said, I am not reporting that. My point was meant to be whoever he talks to, they're getting a coach with a big emphasis on the run, which is a lot of the details well, he gave That's a little us. different than he talked to the Bears and he's going to talk to the Steelers, right? Yeah, that's why I'm clarifying I, I understand that. I'm, I'm just saying his what he's saying there is a little different than what he said Yeah, right, there. right, exactly. That's why we texted him to clarify it. He said, I'm not reporting that. Uh, I had the feeling as he was saying, I, to be honest with you, we didn't even remember what he said later. Because we're look, thinking so, about the next question too many times. I know well, I don't know. It, just, it, did, it didn't stand out to me as saying he's going to talk to the Steelers. I, it was just he misphrased it. Right. I had the feeling, though, that he wasn't reporting news, and that's what turned out to be the case. He said, I'm not reporting that. So it Peter King did not report or didn't intend to report uh, didn't report that Cliff Maybe Kingsbury's Maybe it will turn out that he does talk to the state. Well, they should talk to him. Absolutely. But whatever the case, uh, that's not what he's reporting. In the meantime, would he would he be a guy that would intrigue you? Sure. Yeah, an offensive mind. Um, you know, he was in a bad situation with Arizona. I mean, I think their, you know, front office and everything else certainly, you know, I don't think he – was in a stable place. I mean, he has worked with Mahomes uh, at Texas Tech and a few other quarterbacks too, right? Didn't he work with Manziel, I think, in college? And Baker. And Baker. Yeah. I mean, he turned guys or helped guys with talent turn into really good players. And Kyler Murray was excellent early in his career under Cliff Kingsbury. You know, they took away his best receiver, who was DeAndre Hopkins. Right. That's not really a recipe for helping a young quarterback. But when you look at his career, Kyler Murray under Kingsbury was the rookie of the year. Right? Yep. Number he, one overall pick, right? Yeah. He was the rookie of the year. And he followed that up by going, what, 18 and 13 or 17 and 13 the next two years. That'll get you a statue in these parts, right? He was <laughs> You're in, it. in it. He was in it You're both years. Be in it. He was in it both years at eight and eight and nine and five. He didn't so have a losing season. Give it, that's exactly right. Well, he did his first year, and then well, he had I two mean, more yeah, later. But those two, but those he two did. years, he, he didn't, didn't have, have a losing yeah, year. Yeah, right. Exactly. He had 50 touchdowns and 22 interceptions. He was good under Kingsbury, and so were these other guys. So I am intrigued by that. And I would love to see the Steelers interview him and bring him in. I, I think that would be a great hire. That's the kind of guy I want here. Why don't we listen to what Peter King said before that? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers, And then uh, just cut it off before that last part, if you would. But I asked him, would you be intrigued by Cliff Kingsbury? Peter, back to the Steelers coordinator question. I'm curious as to your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury, his NFL tenure, his background, what you would you be intrigued by him? I'd definitely be intrigued. Um I would be very intrigued. I mean, this is a guy who has tentacles into some of the most interesting and progressive quarterbacks to have played the game. You know, and you go Patrick Mahomes and and uh and Kyler Murray. And, you know, I think the interesting thing I always tell people this about Cliff Kingsbury. You expect that you're meeting with a guy who wants to throw the ball 55 times a game. First meeting I ever had with him after he got the Cardinals job in training camp that year, 
he started talking about what a great running team we're going to be. And we will be a great running team before we're a great passing team. And I thought, man, who am I listening to? And that year, I don't know what they were. They were first or second in the NFL in rushing. And so I think the mistake that people would think of, I'll tell you this, if he gets one of these jobs, I guarantee you that that team will be a running team. And so that isn't to say he won't develop a quarterback. Mahomes loved him. I think a lot of people in the game over the years have really respected him. He's a progressive thinker. That's what I like, progressive thinker. Yeah, We need guy, some progressive thinkers around here. And you got to run the ball, and that's what he wants to and do. Especially apparently. in the Northeast, outdoor team. And that's how Tomlin likes to win, too. Yes. He never struck me. In fact, by the end of his tenure with the Cardinals, it didn't even appear that he was interested in the games on the sidelines. He never struck me as a head coach, but certainly as a coordinator and a guy who has uh, the respect of people, high respect of people like Sean McVay. And you bring in a guy like that, you got to let him do his job. You can't tell him, don't throw it down the field. Don't worry about interceptions. Nobody wants interceptions. You're not calling plays exactly. for interceptions, but you got to let them be aggressive. Progressive thinker. I like that. Me I've too. I've always looked at you, Joe, as a progressive thinker. I know. You know, always. Yes. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Coming up here. As I mentioned, last night turned into just an incredible night for good and bad reasons in the world of sports. Let's talk, Ron, about the most incredible individual performances we've ever seen. It's based on Joel Embiid going for 70 last night. 70 with 18 rebounds. And the own goal. I don't know. Is there a nickname for this thing yet, Ron? Some sort of deflection? The decrepit deflection? I don't know. (laughs) Something. Because of the elderly athletes involved. Uh, I, I don't know. There's got to be a nickname for what happened because it was one of the most incredible. I, I can't believe it happened, what, a month removed from a goaltender shooting a puck into a net in, in Jari to this. We've seen we've seen these two things. This this I had never seen uh, watch, watching said he had game. never seen it no. either. I mean, wow. They should, next time they have a delayed penalty against the opposition, keep Jari in net. Yeah, and exactly. feed it back to him and see if he can score. <laughs> or have him run your power play. Exactly. So the most incredible individual feats we've seen and also the biggest gaffes. And this has to be things you've seen in person, not on television. 928-9370. We'll talk about all of this coming up on Cook and Joe. Fifty-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. What's cooking? Brought to you by your local Geico rep, Tim Hester. Thank you, Mr. Hester. Very kindly. Also brought to you by Mr. Rooter. Thank you, Mr. Rooter. Call four one two Rooter two. All right. Last night in sports, some crazy stuff. You saw the own goal. You saw Latang and, and Malkin 
uh, somehow, some way, put a puck in their own net. What did you call it? The de- decrepit? The decrepit deflection. I don't know. What, it just that came to so mind appropriate. there. I don't know what it was. The two old guys combining on an old goal. Uh, it needs a nickname, probably. I don't, I don't think I don't you know can do that better be. than that. I don't know what it would be. Um, and then we saw Joel Embiid go at the other end of the spectrum, go for 70 points in a single game, which is one of the highest marks of all time. Just ridiculous stuff. So Do you Ron, still believe Wilt scored 100 in a game? No. I mean. Do you still have that book? Yeah, I do. Uh, did you see Embiid last night? Sat down with a piece of paper in front of him oh, with, a, with a 70. Like, like uh, Wilt did. Yeah. Tremendous. I think you were going to let me read that book, the Wilt book. I thought I gave it. Did I, you give that to me or I gave I, that I think, to you? I think I gave it to you and you never gave it back. I, no. I would like to see it if uh, you could. I think I lost it. <laughs> That's okay. It took you forever to give me the uh, the Mickelson book. So. I know. And you, have you started that yet? No, I haven't got to it yet. The most incredible individual feat, Ron, you ever witnessed, or a couple of them that spring to mind All for right. you I at got, a sporting event. I don't care when or where it was, but you had uh, to have been there. I got two. All right. Back-to-back games. Ben, six touchdown passes and six touchdown passes. Yeah, me I too. I was at both of those games. Nobody has ever done that, I don't think, in NFL history. Yes. Six and six back-to-back. That's my number one. Uh, I'll let you get one. I got one more. So let me ask you, Ron. You never saw a no-hitter in all the baseball games you covered. You never saw somebody hit for the cycle. I saw the combined no-hitter. How is that not up there? Uh, Yeah, that was a combined no-hitter. That was, uh, who was it, Cordero and Rincon. Rincon, yeah. It was a Saturday night against Houston. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever saw a cycle. How about a four home run game, something like that? I don't think so. I saw Mike Schmidt hit his 500th. That was big. I saw Sidney Crosby score his 500. That was big. Did you? Um, were you there for Mario five goal and five ways night? No, that was New Year's Eve against New Jersey. No, I was not. Were you there for Rob McCoviak's two games in the doubleheader? The I day his think. kid was born. Yeah, I don't think. That was against the Cubs, wasn't it? I don't think. All right, so mine are the same as that. Ben going back-to-back with six touchdowns, uh, one against the Ravens where he went 25 of 37 for 346 touchdowns and no picks. Are you blanking kidding me? <laughs> but the week before was better. Indianap- and it, was, it was Indianapolis. Yeah, right? one of the greatest games I've ever seen. 51-34 was Ben against a young Andrew Luck. They both threw for over 400. Ben, you ready for this? This is This is a career for Kenny Pickett. 40 for 49 for 522 <laughs> with six touchdowns and no picks. Now, what were the rate passer ratings on it? Was he perfect? He had 150.6. Okay. 40 yeah. for 49 for 522, six and none. That was That's up there. Here's some other ones that I saw. Now, can I give one more here? Yeah. The night uh, that Ben threw five first-half touchdown passes yes. against Baltimore. Yeah. And still wasn't the player of the game for me. Right. James Harrison yes. had interceptions, sacks, fumble recoveries, forced fumbles. Maybe the greatest defensive performance I've ever seen with my own eyes. Well, that's the one I was just going to say. You stole my thunder, as the callers say, Ron. And I have the numbers here. November 5th, 2007. On defense and special teams, James Harrison was ridiculous. He planted Ed Reed like a javelin on special teams that night. <laughs> and here's what James Harrison did that night. Nine tackles, three and a half sacks, 
three forced fumbles, a recovered fumble, and a takedown of Reed on a punt return that is among the greatest hits you'll ever see. So I went down. Did he not have an interception in that game? No. I thought he did. No, no interception. So I went down to the Ravens locker room and talked to Trevor Price, who said he knew it wasn't Baltimore's night when that little 5'9 linebacker gets four sacks. That will never happen again in his life. Harrison, an unknown at that point, pretty much. So I raced down the hallway and relayed those words to Harrison. I said, Trevor Price just said, you'll never do that again. He called you a little 5'9 linebacker. He looked at me, Ron, and he said, who's Trevor Price? (laughs) In a great line. And the other one had to be Mario. That same night, Ben threw five first half touchdowns. I think they led 35-0 at halftime. And it wasn't the story of the game. I know. It was absolutely incrinculent. And there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of Steeler legends on the sidelines that night. They were having some sort of ceremony that night. Reunion. That, those were the days. Also, in terms of great individual feats, Mario's comeback night. Multiple points, a goal within, what, I don't know, a couple minutes after three and a half years off. That one's up there, Ron, for me. Absolutely. Individual feats. And I was also there the night that Rich Hill pitched a perfect ah. game against the Pirates until Josh Harrison hit over the ten. Him deep, ruined the perfect game and shot out and game right. And I also became uh, an irritant after that game when I asked Rich Hill then of the Dodgers. I said, "Have you ever heard of Harvey Haddock's?" I legitimate question. Right. He looked at me and he said, "No," just like that, and uh, the whole place just deadened at that point. How, he, he how many was, innings for Harvey Haddock's that 12, night? Twelve, twelve in Milwaukee. So it was a legitimate question, was, right? I mean, was. you, you and, were throwing. Rich Hill was considered one of the nicest people in baseball history. You know? I could have prefaced it by saying, "Rich, you're one of the few guys who pitched a perfect game and still lost <laughs> at the end, like Harvey Haddock's did." How does that feel? Uh, Instead, I just said, you know, very neatly, just, "Have just, you heard of Harvey Haddock's?" It's just that. St- technique that you have I that know. voice I know. i'll still my all-time favorite question uh by a steelers beat guy to mark malone and uh steelers lost malone threw like three or four interceptions and he had a whiny voice when he talking mark you've played some bad games in your career who was this uh, i'm gonna leave his name okay out okay you played some bad games in your career would you rank this as the worst <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Mark didn't think so at all. <laughs> That's an unbelievably insulting question. Oh. Mark, right. you stink. Did you ever stink worse than tonight? Yeah, right. This is this your worst game ever? No, I think this was. I think I was as bad as I ever was tonight, and I've been bad before, believe me. All right. You want to do the other end of this now? Yeah, I think we're both going to have the same answers to this. I'm Ron, I have to say I'm surprised. Let's think about this a little more. You've covered a lot of baseball games. No cycle? Did you ever see a cycle? I don't think I did. I saw a cycle. Where? When? John Jaso. I was at that game. Oh, he my had God. one for the Pirates. That's right. And I only go to like one Pirates game a year. And yeah. I happened to be at the John Jaso game. What a legendary performance, huh? And then he he became an actual pirate. Have you read about him lately? He I, went down I to live totally in see Florida it. He, or something. He always had that look to him. Yeah, he lives on a boat. Have you ever seen a three or four home run game? God bless me. 
What about uh, a tape measure homer by Willie Stargell for an individual feat? What about a throw from Clemeni? Were you ever at a game where he threw somebody out at third? Well, I mean, I guess if, if we're going way, way back, I mean, I was there at Forbes Field the night they beat Koufax and Drysdale in a doubleheader. That's pretty amazing. Amazing, but not an individual feat. Not an individual feat. Um, I can't remember. I'm sure I saw three home run games, but nothing that jumps out at me like James Harrison and Ben. What's the greatest catch you ever saw? Brian Giles climbed the wall in left field at PNC Park, and, and his cleats ripped the wall as he's climbing up to get it, robbed the guy of a home run. It was just un- incrinculent. That one counts. That one, That's an individual that feat, isn't a, it? That was a that was a great great feat. What about what? the Turner Ward catch? Were you there for that? I was not. There. I when was he ran over the wall, through the wall. When he went through the oh, wall. You picked great days to go Apparently, to the games. Yeah, huh? I've been lucky going to both. What those you games. went to both those games? I did. Yes. I, there must have been another. What about college basketball, Ron? Have we ever seen a sixty or seventy or fifty point game? Have any of us? Dewan but, Blair at Kentucky against uh, him. Uh, what was it to beat? Machine the beat, yeah. Um, I think he had 26 and 25. I remember texting E.J. Borghetti during the game. How does this rank with all-time pit games? I mean, 20. I, I think he won a, I, 24 rebounds, 25 points, something like that. That was one of the great games I've ever seen. Were you at the Abinacanda pit game last year when he had 300-some yards rushing? Were you? I was not. I was not in attendance. That happened, that. didn't it? Yes. Abinacanda. Yes. Right? Yeah. Abinacanda, right? How many did he have, Sean? 320? Sean, you're the beat guy. You you should know that. You should know that. You're the beat guy. Maybe I've just forgotten some things. I'll tell you what. I think I saw LeVar Arrington go for 250. He was like like a grown man in a nursery school playing sports. It was unbelievable. Did you ever see him in high school? I did not. They would throw I, I, they would throw pitch outs to him, and it was like small children at his ankles trying to tackle. I, him. I just remember talking to Art Rooney Jr., the Steelers' longtime uh, personnel guy. I said, "Have you ever seen a player in high school that you think could have made it in the NFL without going to college?" Yeah, he didn't hesitate. He said, first of all, no, no one could ever do it because it's more than physical." But he said, "The only guy I would put there." He did not say, he did not say Arrington, which I think I thought maybe. Bill Fralick, he said he coming out of high school could have physically gone yes. right to the NFL. Yes. So that, I know one that, you might have one seen. always fascinated me. I know an individual seat feet that you might have seen that you forgot about, Ron. Were you at the Tyler Palco five touchdown game at Notre Dame? I was not. That's no. When, that's when he cursed on TV. I was at home watching that one. I'll tell you one of the greatest individual games. Tony Dorsett, 300 yards against Notre you Dame. You were there? I was not. I was not. I'm just trying to think of great individual games. Shady McCoy at Notre Dame, the day that our friend and yours, the paddy wagon, Pat Bostick, hit Jonathan Baldwin with, I think, the winning score. That was one of the greatest individual games I've ever seen. what he did at West life. Virginia in the 13 9 game. He didn't have a whole lot of help. He was a phenomenal. And, he, and the referees called him back on like two touchdowns, right? Something ridiculous. Why are we? We were, were you at Le'Veon Bell's game in Buffalo in the snow? I was two hundred and thirty-six yards was, wrong. I was in college at at Soldier Field when uh, Walter Payton ran for what two seventy-five. I think was, you were there. I was there. That's that, a great one. That was for the record at that point. That's a great one. I was there. I have some clarification, please. Is he a Banacanda? 
Yes. 36 carries, 320 yards, six touchdowns in the game you referenced. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and and my, I, my wife was, listen to this I was story. Not there for that. I was supposed to be there. My brother came into town with his kids for the game, and I got sick. So my wife went in my place. My wife saw that game. She doesn't not, even like football. I was not there. Did you cover any Apollo Ridge football back in your day? Yes, Joe? I did. Larry Signetti was the coach. So. Dwayne Brown, I did a game in which he went for 480 yards and eight touchdowns. <laughs> eight touchdowns. For Apollo Ridge. And that only stood for a couple of years as the WPIAL record. I what was it's... the final score of that game, just out of Ooh, curiosity? They beat Deer Lakes. Let me see if I can. Uh... Tony Taliani was the coach when I covered Deer Lakes. They had a great girls basketball player. One of my first stories I ever did, Margot Barr from Deer Lakes. Great name. Always remember that. She was a hell of a player. Now I need to look up Shady McCoy's game at Notre Dame, Ron, if you don't mind indulging me. Can we, Could you? Are we, are we going to do the other side? Yeah, we got plenty of time the for biggest the other gaffe. side. Yes, the biggest gaffe. Go ahead. I got the same one as you. Nasir Robinson. Wow, we have a different one. First of all, I wasn't there. But... I was there. Pitt was a number one seed. Yes. That was the second round. Foul at the at – at, at, it was just – I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, and I, the kid was classy. I remember I did a big piece, and I met with him the next day, and he handled it as well as you could. That was probably the biggest one I can remember. You may tell me another one. Mine was the best fumble at the goal line. Yeah, except it didn't cost him the game. You know, Ben saved that with his tackle. I know, but I it was. Yeah, that would, I mean. I covered him. That was ben, the biggest gap I mean, I've I ever mean, seen. I mean, Jerome was my story, that whole playoffs. Um, that was the biggest gap that would have been, I have ever That would have been the biggest if Ben didn't make that tackle. That and, wait a second, wait a second. Now I can't remember that. Now I can't remember anything. Here's Shady McCoy at Notre Dame. 32 carries, 169 yards, two catches, 23 yards. That doesn't do it justice. You had to be there, I guess. You had to be there to believe it. Nothing against anybody else on that offense, particularly my friend, the Paddy Wagon. But, man, teams were keyed up to stop Shady, and he was just, he was ridiculous. Uh, Notre Dame, I mean, they were geared up to stop Dorsett to cut, let the grass grow really high. That's a and whole he, different and category, And he yes. still went like 170 against them the next year. Seth, what do you got? Anything? Anything For interesting? For gaffes? Yeah, yeah, so I was broadcasting Carnegie Mellon football, and they have a really good program. They yeah. were in the victory formation and lost the game. They All they had to do was run the clock out. They somehow committed like an unsportsmanlike that stopped the clock, which means they then had to punt. Punt was blocked. Other teams scored and either won it then in regulation or won it eventually in overtime. But they were in the victory formation and then lost the game. Holy horse milk. And then there was Dwayne Washington. I was at that game, although I think Joe Nedney did a little bit of an acting job there, Ron, in that playoff I, I, game. I, I was not at the Duquesne game where Keith Dambrot took two technicals at the end, and they were up five with like two seconds to go, and it, it, their guy got called for a foul, and then Dambrot got two technicals. The other team made six free throws with like oh two seconds God. left and won the game. Fan weather. 2024 starts with great incentives on Trailblazer, Blazer, Equinox, Silverado at Sun Chevy, sunchevy.com. Occasional rain today, temperatures rising, a high of 43. Well, that was fun. And, of course, gaffes of my own from my own sports Oh, career. man, do I have a bunch. I still think Mr. Tishner, my basketball coach, we were playing in a really small gym. I think I told you this before. It turned out to be a good thing, but I still got in trouble. 
He raised three for play number three, and I thought he meant three seconds left in the half, so I chucked a shot from half court, and it went in. See? At Clarence. Happy ending. And he still yelled at me, Ron. It's one of the, no, 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 yay. Was, Sean, there, was there like 45 seconds left, or how much time was no, left? No, there were probably 15 seconds left, 10 seconds or something, and I freaked out, and it went in. Of course, he yelled at me every time Just I Just how you shot. drew it up. He yeah. didn't want you to touch the ball. No, he didn't. Your biggest gaffe, Sean, was what? Other than coming to this show today to work with Ron and I. <laughs> I, I think of myself and my career as pretty infallible, so nothing's coming to mind. Right oh, the man. Not to be, uh, humility doesn't stand in his road, does it? Ron, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Joe, let's do this again tomorrow morning. How about we convene maybe 10 o'clock? What do you think? I don't want to. Well, you'll be here about anyway. nine fifty-five. There, well, usually you and Zeiss race to see who's the latest coming in, right? Yeah, and he usually wins by a by a nose hair. Thank you, Ron. See you tomorrow. Thank you, uh, Sean. Don't call me Seth. You're welcome. God Great bless. performance, Sean. Don't call me Seth. You were tremendous.